Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Good to be in the house of the Lord. It really is. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for your prayers and my absence, and, uh, but I'm doing well. I'm off drugs. Don't you love to hear your pastor say, I'm drug free? Well, with the exception of ibuprofen. I'm, 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 I'm kind of stuck on ibuprofen right now. And so, but I'm doing, doing real well, and I'm glad to be back in the pulpit this morning. Uh, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi. Uh, and we'll begin this morning with a brand new series, and we'll preach all the way through the book of Malachi in the weeks and months to come. Uh, while you're turning, I would like for my wife... To join me on stage, please. Be honest. How many of you are not really sure who my wife is? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are lying. I know you are. I can tell. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm reminded every now and then that people really don't know who my wife is. Sometimes people think it's Lori. Uh, and uh, actually, Lori was in our wedding 47 years ago. And so that's how long we've known each other. We were 12 when we got married. Uh, <laughs> and then sometimes people think uh, uh, Norma uh, Gallipoli, who stands down with me when we pass out the crosses, that that's my wife. And uh, uh so I'm complimented with all three. I mean, they're all gr- good-looking women. Isn't, isn't my wife beautiful? Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just whispered through her teeth, I'm going to kill you when I get you home. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but the Lord has blessed us. I, I will tell you that uh, marrying her was the second greatest event of my life. Uh, The first greatest event of my life she was involved in, and that is that she led me to the Lord about 49 years ago. My wife led me to the Lord, and I will eternally be thankful for that. And and I got to tell you, if you're dating someone, young people, uh, you you want to be with somebody who knows the Lord. And if they will not turn to the Lord with their whole heart, you need to turn in another direction. I'm serious. Serious about that. But uh, before I preach this morning, I'm going to ask my wife to pray for me and to pray for the service today. Father God, we do thank you for the way that you have blessed us. Thank you, God, for the way that you have seen us through all these years, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you will um, just give my husband strength at this time. Lord, to preach your word as he stands behind this pulpit. Lord, I pray that you will just give him strength, give him clarity of mind. And Lord, for those that do not know you, I pray, God, that you will just um, open their ears, open their eyes, Lord, so they can see what they're missing. And God, as this happens, God, help us as a church to minister to these people. 
Lord, I pray now, right now, God, that you will um, just speak through my husband the words that you would have him to say, mm. that this church will be better for it, and we will be better for it as well. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you once again for the way that you blessed our church and our congregation mm. and our church family. Mm. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 I love you. You might need to pray for me when we get home today. <laughs> she, she is not a, a, a limelight person. She likes to be in the background, but I have never met a person in my life more faithful than she is. And so I praise the Lord for that. Well, I hope you have your Bibles open now to the book of Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. And... Uh, uh, I've been studying this book now for probably three or four months, and I'm really looking forward to getting started this morning. And I'll, I'll begin by giving you a little bit of the, the spiritual background to the nation of Israel. Uh, Israel, as a nation, spiritually speaking, was in denial. They were in rejection, and... Uh, they were, they, they were in total deception. They obviously had been deceived by others, but they were involved in self-deception, uh, and they had deceived themselves. They had just about everything backward. It is uh, amazing when you study these four chapters that Israel had it all backward. Their theology was bad. They had uh, very little understanding of who God really is. They, they didn't know how to relate to God. They didn't know how to worship God. They didn't know how to walk with God. And they were in a mess. The book of Malachi uh, is a reminder to all of us how religion can get stale and stagnant. And that it can become nothing more than just a form of formality, an exercise, a duty, a ritual, just something we do, but it's just not on the inside. The book of Malachi is a picture of religion at its worst. It is a picture of religion that looks good on the outside, but inside it's just all empty. Uh, and, and, And by the way... And we'll look at some of this as we go through the series, but the fact is that that statement uh, pretty much sums up at least some of what's going on in the name of Christianity today. And that is, it just looks good on the outside, but inside it's just empty. It's religion that's all about accommodating the people and ignoring God. And that's what was going on here. Now, with that in mind, and we'll do some more... uh, when it comes to the introduction uh, as we look at each individual message. But with that in mind, I want to read the first five verses. And I think you'll be uh, surprised and delighted about what these first five verses say. So looking at Malachi chapter, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. This is a message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. I have always loved you, says the Lord. 
But you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country and turned Esau's inheritance into a desert of jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness, and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, truly, the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. Now, first of all, just a brief explanation of the text. Uh, Basically, what God is saying is, I have loved Jacob, but I have rejected Esau. Now, some translations are even stronger than that. Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. The Bible is making it very clear in this passage of Scripture that there are some people, and God loves them and God is blessing them. And there are others that God is rejecting them and His hand is against them. Now, you may not like that, and that may not fit the God uh, that you have uh, uh, conceived in your mind, but that's who God is, and that's what his Bible says, and, and we don't particularly like that. In fact, God says in this text, though Edom, though the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, though they say, we will rebuild the ruins, God says, they may rebuild, but I'll just tear it down again. And there's a message in that. And that is, if God's not with you, if God's not for you, if God's not moving on your behalf, if the blessings of God are not on your life, you can work as hard as you want to work, but one day it'll come to nothing. It will be torn down. That's how important the love of God is. And and so the book begins with Malachi singling out the nation of Israel and saying to them, God loves you. And it begins with this, God has always loved you. And he said, I've always loved you. You've always been the object of my love. And now they didn't understand this, they didn't comprehend it, and they say, how how can that be the case? How is it that God could really love us? And Malachi says, God chose your ancestor Jacob. And God loved Jacob. And because God chose Jacob, He chose you in Jacob. And because He loved Jacob, He loves you. You have inherited this love. You see, what what Malachi was saying, what the Spirit of God was saying through Malachi, is simply this, and that is that God loved Jacob and his descendants, generation after generation, for over 1,200 years, that love of God had been passed down, and they were at that time the recipients of God's love. It's an amazing truth. Bottom line is, this text, if you believe it, and I believe the Bible, I believe what it says, 
that you have one group of people, the descendants of Jacob, who were loved and blessed of God, and you have another group of people who were the descendants of Esau, who were rejected, and God's hand was against them. And I got to tell you, that's biblical. It really, it really is biblical. One passage of Scripture says, the sins of the fathers will be visited to the third and fourth generation. And another passage of Scripture, and this is the one I want you to see, Exodus 20, verse 6. He says, But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Isn't that a great verse? I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. Perhaps the greatest thing you can do for your children... I know that there are some of you here today that have children that are not walking with God. And I know your heart is heavy for them, and rightly so. And I know you're concerned about your children. Can I share with you today that God is a faithful God and He does what He says He will do? And one of the most important things you can do for your children is for you yourself to draw close to the Lord. To understand that God loves you to, to understand that if you enter into a love relationship with the Lord your God and you have an intimate relationship with Him that He will visit your children. That's what one translation says. Will be visited even to a thousand generations. That, that God's unfailing love will touch them. The love of God, the love God has for you will be visited upon your children. You say, Pastor, explain that. I don't, I can't, I can't. But I just know God is a faithful God. And I know that when somebody draws close to God and they really enter into a love relationship with the Lord, that it has a trickle-down effect. It, it passes down. It moves from one generation uh, to the next. So, here's what I want to do this morning. I, I want to just stop right here. And I want to do exactly what Malachi does as he begins this book. First thing he says, first revelation he shares with them is, God says to them, I've always loved you. And I just want to stop right here and I just want to tell you today, God loves you. God loves you. He really does. He loves you. Now you, you, may, be, you may be thinking, well I know God loved these Israelites and I know He loved Jacob, but how do I know He loves me? Well, the fact that you're sitting in this worship service hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ preached is a pretty good sign He loves you. The fact that you're not living in a hut with a dirt floor in a third world country with no electricity and no running water with a witch doctor as your spiritual leader is a pretty good sign that God loves you. The fact that you have more food more creature comforts, more protection, more peace, more security, more safety than any other generation in the history of the world is a good sign that God loves you. The fact that you can own a Bible, go to church, worship the Lord, declare your faith without any fear of going to jail is a pretty good sign that God loves you. Now, now you see, Israel was chosen in Jacob. 
They were the descendants of Jacob. You and I are chosen in Christ Jesus. We are chosen in him. And God loves you. And I just want to tell you that he loves you. Now here's the thing. I I know some of you really, you may not feel like God loves you today, but he does. He does. From where I stand, it, it looks like he really loves you a lot. And I know he loves me. And I just want to tell you, he loves you. You say, oh, pastor, that sounds sweet and good, but you just don't know. You don't know. No, friends? You don't know. Because you see, I've read this book, and I've studied this book, and I'm not just talking about Malachi. I've studied the Bible, and there's a consistent theme through the Scriptures. But the fact is that Malachi is announcing to the nation of Israel that God loves you. He's always loved you. His love is upon you. And they were messed up. They, they were terribly messed up. They were messed up. They were in rebellion. They were committing sin. They were rejecting the very truths and the commandments of God. They were living their own way, doing their own thing. They had strayed from the path. And yet these messed up people, the first thing the prophet of God says to them is, I have always loved you. Wow. Now, will God deal with their sins and will He address what's wrong in their lives? Yes. And we will as we go through the book of Malachi. But first things first, God wants them to know that He loves them. I have always loved you. You need to understand that. That's what He's saying to Israel. That's what He's saying to us today is I've always loved you. So I just want to ask you, can we do that? Shouldn't we do that? Is it okay for us on a given Sunday morning in church like this to say, you know what, let's just forget about all the bad stuff for a little while. Let's forget about all the sins. Let's forget about all the hang-ups. Let's forget about all the problems and let's kind of move them aside. There will be time to deal with them, but let's just learn something God loves us. God loves us. Which is just amazing to me. This just blows me away that God loves us. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror sometimes, it's hard for me to believe that God loves me. But, but, but He loves us. Can, can we just put everything else aside? Can we forget every weakness, every sin, every hang-up? Can we just move it aside? And can we just focus on this, that God loves us? And, and, and is it possible that really and truly we cannot move on until we understand that? I mean, aren't we just a little bit guilty of feeling like that if you could get this right in your life and you could get this right in your life and you could do this and you could discipline yourself here, then you could come to a place where you could have a love relationship with God. Is, is that right? Or is that backward? Or should it be like this? If you only have an encounter with a holy God who pours His love out on you and touches you and impacts you, that that love will be the basis upon which you will change your life. 
and the basis upon which he'll make everything right in your life. I need a bottle of water, and I've just found it. See, I think we get it backwards sometimes. I heard a fisherman say one time, he said, this is normally the way we do it. We catch the fish and then we clean them. You don't clean them and then catch them. You catch them and then you clean them. I'm telling you today that maybe when we're reaching out to people rather than pointing out their sin, and I just, I don't know about you, but friends, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, God has an amazing and powerful and undeniable way of pointing out what's wrong in our lives, doesn't He? We don't have to tell people what's wrong, do we? Now, we might need to teach them the basics of Scriptures, but the Holy Spirit will do the convicting. So, so sometimes, maybe we need to say, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about your problem. I don't want to talk about your weakness. I don't want to talk about your sin. I want to talk to you about how much God loves you. That's a good starting place, isn't it? Yeah, you say, you say well, 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 Pastor... I've got this terrible drinking problem or drug problem. Okay. But let's not talk about that now. That's a later conversation. Let's talk about something more important than that. Let's talk about God's love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's hard for us. Sometimes we get legalistic and we want to do it the other way around. But let's, let's talk about God's love. You say, well, well, Pastor, I got this anger problem and I'm mad all the time and everything upsets me and I'm, I'm living on the edge and I'm like a bomb with a short fuse and, and I, I just, I'm, I'm just such a mess. Okay. All right. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about how much God loves you. I hear all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you, the thing about being a pastor, and you may not know this, and you may need to hear this, the thing about being a pastor is you don't have to uh, pastor a church very long before you realize everybody has a problem. I know you look around you and you think, man, there are some perfect people in this church. You think, man, look at her and look at him and, and look at that family. And man, that family... No. No. Everybody has problems. And the nation of Israel had some problems. But sometimes we just need to push those problems aside and get first things first. God loves you. You, you say, but pastor, I, I, I got some hang-ups and I can't get past those hang-ups. Uh, when I hear, I'm hearing more and more is pornography and lust. Uh, it, the world's full of it and the church is filling up with it. Okay, I know that's serious. It needs to be dealt with. But can we move that aside for a minute? And is it possible that that will never get resolved until the love issue gets resolved first? Do you hear where I'm coming from? Yeah. Uh, uh, p- Pastor, I, I'm just so messed up. I'm living a dual life. I, uh, I, I come to church and I'm one person on Sunday morning singing the praises of God and I look so good <clears throat> and holy and then the rest of the week I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a terrible mess. I get it. I get it. Brother Bill gets it. Brother Chuck gets it. We all get it. If you've been in ministry very long, you get it. People are messed up. People have problems. 
There's a roaring lion walking about making sure you have problems. But could it be that we've tried to resolve all of those problems the wrong way by addressing the problem rather than going to the root of the problem? And that is that there is a breach of love, a breach of a love relationship between us and a holy God. And so I'm just suggesting that we do what Malachi did. Let's, we'll deal with all that later. Let's talk about the love of God. I just want to tell you today, God loves you. Now please don't walk out of here today and say, boy, our pastor's getting soft. Our pastor is turning into one of those liberal preachers that won't address sin and call it like it is. No. No, I just want to do what Malachi did. I want to say we'll deal with that later. But the first thing, Israel, you need to hear, the first thing, Church of Jesus Christ, you need to hear is that I love you and I have always loved you, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. He loves you. He loves me. God loves us. I, I'm, I'm staring into some faces right now. You think, Pastor, come on, really? You just don't know. You don't, you don't know about the fight my wife and I had last night. You, you, don't, you don't know about the secret sin. You don't know. I, listen, listen. I'm trying to get you to put all of that out of your mind for a moment and understand that God loves you and it's for no reason that you can wrap your brain around except that through Jesus Christ God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves you. He loves you. Say, God loves me. A little louder. Like you really mean it. God loves me. Messed up. Broken. Hurting. Flawed, weak, failing. God loves me. I, I looked for an illustration long and hard that I could share with you about God's love, and I found one, and then I realized after I found it that I couldn't, I couldn't do it justice. So I want you to hear this illustration by Francis Chan. Would you listen to this, please? So last, uh, last weekend, Todd talked about having joy in trials. And, and when I think about that, and you, you know how certain people come to your mind when you think, okay, who do I know that's been through all sorts of trials but still has maintained joy? And the first name that comes to my mind is, uh, well, maybe not first, probably second mind. First one would be Lisa's grandmother. And the second one is this lady in our church, Jean Palfrey. Jean, some of you guys know her. She's been here from the start. Just has been through some unimaginable things in her life. I'll just leave it at that. I had the privilege, though, yesterday of doing her wedding. And um, it was so cool. Um, gosh, there's so much to say about it. It was right here in this room. I only do like one wedding a year. I mean, one or two weddings a year, just, just time-wise. But I just really needed to do this one. Um, it was so special because, okay, Jean has a daughter who is 28, but she is mentally uh, disabled, and so she has the mind of a six-year-old, and she was the flower girl, okay? And, and, but this, you know, Jean, who's always been filled with so much joy 
I've seen her the last 18 months. She's just been beaming because this guy that's come into her life. And, uh, and she was telling me, you know, during the, the counseling, as we were getting ready for the, the, the wedding, she was saying how, you know, I, I looked at him and I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure of me? I mean, look at me. I'm old. Look at all of my wrinkles. And, and she says, and then he looks at me and goes, no, those are like dimples to me. You know? And just goes, you're beautiful. And she, you know, she just goes, I can't believe he just keeps telling me how beautiful, how beautiful I am. And then, then I'm like, well, are you sure? I mean, my daughter, I mean, you don't want to take all of this on. This is difficult. But here's, here's the clincher. Okay, so we're doing the ceremony and, and everything is so beautiful, so wonderful, so perfect. And then, you know, in the middle of the ceremony, as a surprise to everyone, you know, I announced that after the giving of the rings and vows and everything else, I go, hey, and Rick uh, this morning also has bought a ring for April, Jean's daughter, because he wants her to know that he is taking her as his very own. And you guys, she's standing down here, and the moment I said this, she screams, runs up the stage crying. I mean, picture this. A, a six-year-old in a 28-year-old body just screaming, hugging, going, I love you, 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 I love you. As tears are coming down her face, I love you. Just crying and screaming and everyone, everyone's bawling. <laughs> and I confess, I cried. First time ever in a wedding, I just lost it. Because it was like, no way. You know, I mean, just, just her emotions, she just couldn't even control. It's like she could not believe that he was making a commitment to her. And then, you know, and then he places this ring on her finger and all oh, the whole place was just bawling. And I just had to stop the whole ceremony because I said, do you guys understand what just took place here? I said, I don't think you will ever see a more clear picture of this book than what you just saw here. The Bible says that God looks at us as His bride. His bride. I, I said, so you, you understand, like Rick is taking Jean, and Jean's going, man, are you sure you want me? And he's going, are you kidding? You're beautiful. I mean, that's the picture of us, right? We're, we're looking at ourselves and going, God, do you understand what a mess I've made in my life? Do you understand all the things I've done? And he's going, no, I want you. The Bible uses those terms as my bride. That's what the Bible teaches. He wants us as his bride. But not only that, the Bible also uses another analogy and it says that He's a father to the fatherless and how He adopts us as His children. And you and I should be like April this morning going, are you kidding me? No way! I love you! I love you! I love you! I love you! I can't believe you're adopting me. You're taking me as your child. Man, do you come here with that type of emotion, with that type of joy, with that type of awe where you wake up in the morning of God, I cannot believe this. You love me. I'm your bride. I'm your child. You're adopting me. You're placing the ring on my finger for better, for worse. We should be in awe. I sure hope you don't come here this morning saying, God, look what I'm doing for you. I'm showing up to church. But this morning, you're just in awe going, God, I cannot believe you would take me in. 
I can't believe it. I tell you, that, that, that wedding, man, I just lost it because I just, I just thought there's no better picture because everyone's, not everyone, so many people have this book all wrong, right? They, they think it's just a list of rules, a bunch of do's or don'ts. You know, they think it's religion. You know, religion is is somehow some system of works where you earn your way into God's graces. And I'm just going, oh, how disgusting. That has never been God. Understand, this has always been about a relationship. It's always been about love. And so if you came here this morning seeking religion, you came to the wrong building. Okay? Because this is not religion this is the most romantic love story you will ever read in your life. It's about a creator who is so filled with love that he points to you and says, I, I want you. Don't you understand? I want to stick a ring on, on your finger. And I, I want to take you as my bride. I want to take you as my children. I'm crazy about you. And from the very start, it's been about a love relationship with God. God's greatest command is love me. It's not do this, do that. His greatest command in this book is love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, everything that's in you, all the passion you just directed toward me. And let's just be in love. Let's just be in love. That's it. That's it. And don't turn it into anything else. Don't turn this into anything else. Amen. It, it really is a love relationship. And every change that we make in our lives and the growth and the maturity that uh, God wants us to experience has to be based on the foundation of love. Uh, one of the great prayers that you'll find in the Bible comes from Ephesians, the third chapter, where the Apostle Paul prays this prayer, and many of us have used this prayer for years. He said, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now listen, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Paul was praying that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Yes, you need faith. Faith is important. Yes, you need strength in the inner man. Yes, not to the exclusion of these other things, but you are to be rooted and grounded in love. Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, and I believe it's given to us in scriptures for us to understand this, that we could be rooted and grounded in love. And then he goes on to say that you may comprehend with all the saints what what is is the, the width and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Amen. Paul was praying that they would be rooted and grounded in love. And that, and they would begin to explore the dimensions of God's love. How, how wide it is, how long it is, how deep it is, how high it is. That they would explore the dimensions of God's love, God's love. That we would do that. And that we would begin to comprehend something that you can't even comprehend. That we would begin to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I, I, I'm trying to get you to understand that the first thing 
in your life, in my life, in this church, if you want to help somebody else, the first thing is the love of God. An encounter with a God who loves them through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, if we want to grow in grace, to be rooted and grounded in love. I I was thinking about this passage of Scripture. Someone were to walk up to me and say, Pastor, are you rooted and grounded in the Word of God? I'd say yes. Yes, I am. I've I've read it through many times. I've studied it. Uh, uh, I recently read all the way through the Bible, and now I'm reading back through it again. Uh, I love the Bible. I'm rooted and grounded in the Bible. But if you were to ask me, am I rooted and grounded in love, that the love of God is the firm foundation upon which I stand? I I don't know if I could answer it with equal confidence. But I know this, I know it's that important. Do, do you have any idea how important love is? you have any idea? And what, I, what amazes me is we miss this. We miss this. But the Bible's real straightforward about how important love is. Are you ready? I'll just give you a list. By the way, we have an entire chapter in the New Testament dedicated to this thing called love, and it's dedicated... Uh, to telling us how important love is. Did you know that love is more important than faith? You can't even be saved without faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Uh, You can't please God without faith. And yet the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians tells us that love is greater than faith. How about this? It's greater than prophecy or prophesying or preaching. Uh, the word prophecy means to foretell or to foretell. That's exactly what I'm doing right now when we're teaching the Word or preaching the Word <clears throat> or sharing the truth of God. That's what we're doing. We, are, we, we may not always be foretelling, but we are foretelling the truth of God. And it says it's better than prophecy. Love is better than prophecy. And, and for those of us who... <clears throat> who kind of lean toward the charismatic movement. I confess I do. I kind of lean toward the charismatic movement. I'd I'd lot rather be in a church that has wildfire breaking out than a church that's snoring. I mean, I'm sorry I had. For those of us who believe in the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and praying in the Spirit. And I confess I do, but the, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians clearly says that if you can speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but you don't have love, you are nothing. Amen. Zero. Zilch. I've been around some people who spoke in tongues and they were as mean as the devil. I mean, mean. It, it's more important than faith. It's more important than prophecy. It's more important than tongues. Get this. We believe in teaching the Bible around here. We believe in imparting the Word of God. But do you know that love is more important than knowledge? It says, though you have all knowledge and though you understand all the mysteries of God, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You've you've missed it completely. And then the chapter goes on to say, if you sacrifice, there is no sacrifice you can give to substitute for love. You've got to have love. 
And then let me just give you one more. Did you know love is greater than hope? Hope is a wonderful thing. And we need hope. And I believe the Bible teaches us to have hope in God. But I can tell you, friends, when there is no hope in sight, love will carry you through. Love will carry you through. And, and, and I, I want you to see, you say, well, why, why is that so important? Here it is, Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you know why love is so important? Because what is supposed to happen with us is we have this encounter with, with God and He pours His love into our hearts and our hearts are overflowing with love. And if we skip that, if we miss that experience, we miss it. We miss it completely. So I just want to tell you today, God loves you. God wants you to begin to realize, and they did not realize this, Israel, but God wants you to know that He loves you. He loves you as messed up as you are. Now, by the way, He loves you too much to leave you where you are. Amen. He, he wants to change you. But the love relationship comes first. And, and so, I, I just want to tell you today that God loves you. He really does. How, how many of you were... What time is it, somebody? 11.49. Sunday. Sunday. It's Sunday, 11.49. My clock, my clock is out on the back wall, and I can't see what time it is. So watch me. How, how many of you were born before the tech revolution, before technology exploded? I mean, yeah. Yeah, hey, man. Is this the geriatrics group right here? I mean, I expected a few hands. How many of you remember the old-fashioned party lines? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd call, I'd call my sweetheart, my wife, ten party lines. And when I'd start whispering sweet nothings to her, you could hear somebody giggling. Somebody then picked up the phone. And sometimes, if you listen, you could hear them. You could actually hear them. It was real subtle, but you could hear it. And then sometimes the, you'd hear somebody come on and say, please get off the phone. I need to make a phone call. I, I mean, those were, those were rotary. Those were the old days. And technology comes along, and I'm just blown away. I don't know how to do anything. I, when it comes to technology, I'm a helpless cripple. I I am. But I have learned something about computers. I have learned something about iPads and about iPhones. I have learned something. And if you don't know this, I'm going to teach you something. And that just makes me feel good. I, did you say cold Chuck? <clears throat> Actually, Pastor Coburn is the one who told me this. So this is what I do. I have some problem. And I, and I don't know what to do. And I can't figure it out. And I would call Chuck. And the first thing Chuck asked me, have you shut your computer down and rebooted it? I said, well, no. He said, well, shut your computer down and reboot it. And I would shut it down, reboot it. And guess what? Worked. And then, and, and I'm a slow learner, so I would 
call him later and say, I got something wrong. He'd say, have you shut your computer down? And we did that for like a couple months. And finally, I got it. And every time something goes wrong, my iPad, my iPhone, or my computer, I shut it down. I wait a few minutes. I start it back again. I reboot it. And things are better. I want to ask you this morning. Isn't it time for you to reboot your spiritual life? Isn't it time for you to push all the clutter aside? Even the weaknesses, even the strongholds, everything, even every problem that's worked its way into your very complex life to push it all aside and say, you know what, I'm shutting things down and I'm going to get before the Lord my God and I'm going to stay before my Lord until He has poured His love out into my heart until I get it that He loves me and then based upon that foundation of His holy, miraculous love then I'll let God deal with my life as He chooses and we'll deal with these problems. Isn't it time to reboot? Isn't it time to start again? If you came to church this morning hoping to hear something that would be life-changing, you're in luck because I'm about to tell you what it is. God loves you. Would you pray with me, please? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.